With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. At Bed365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. The 2021 MLB season is here, and although the seats may not be full, your bankroll has the chance to be. Greg Hoops Peterson has you covered for every game, every day this season, along with comprehensive analysis and angles for getting to the window while celebrating the walk-off winners and blown saves of what will be a wild season. Now it is time for the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson. A warm and friendly hello, welcome to lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast, myself, Greg Peterson. For one, yes, I am actually back here in Las Vegas, and for two, we've got a great podcast for you guys. Joining me in the second segment, it is going to be John Jansen of Fox Sports Philadelphia, The Gambler. Does a terrific job out there, also does some work for a Sirius XM's fantasy coverage. He also does a great job with Win Daily Sports. We're going to be chatting with him in the second segment about the wildness of so many of these playoff races, obviously the National League East, but also the fact that the wild card race in the National League now wide open as the Padres. If the season ended today, they would not be making the postseason. So, going to have a chat about that along with Monday's games. And then in the final segment, going to give you guys a side total on every game on the betting board for this Monday and a little something you like to call. Touch them all. First things first, always love to be able to answer your Twitter questions on this podcast. If you've got one or two ways, we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at JaronScore41. Keep in mind, letters M, name does not matter, so as per usual, send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to send into the comment section of that five-star review whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Did not wind up getting in any Twitter questions today, but we had a great day of baseball on Sunday. So let's take a look back at it. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A game from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. We'll obviously be talking a little bit more about this with John Jansen of Fox Sports Philadelphia, the gambler, but Phillies get a 7-4 win over the Padres, who, if the season ended today, maybe out of the postseason. Craig Salmon wound up getting a two-inning start. 
Did not allow a run, but then Ryan Weathers comes in, the original starter, and he gives up three runs over the course of two innings. You wind up having Miguel Diaz give up four runs in three innings, including a trio of home runs, and Reese Kinnar was able to give you two scoreless innings for the Padres. They go three of ten with men's scoring position as a lot of their damage came off of Bailey Falter. Falter, well, he faltered. He gave up three runs in two-thirds of an inning, so the name was very appropriate. Hector Neris had to come in and get the final out in the ninth inning for the, I think it was safe, but may not have been. But with that said, with Kyle Gibson, he looked amazing in his start. Gives up one run over the course of eight innings. And for the Philadelphia Phillies, a quadrant of home runs. Reese Hoskins is back off the injured list, and he made his presence felt. 25th and 26th home runs of the season. JT Riamito is 14th. Odubo Herrera, his 11th. Out there in the NL East, how about what the Atlanta Braves are doing? They take down the Baltimore Orioles by a count of 3-1 to one for the Orioles. They have lost 18 straight games all on the run line. So if you've been fading the Orioles the last three weeks or so, you made yourself a lot of money and... The Atlanta Braves are hoping that Ode Soler is able to make himself some money. He gets his 18th home run season and his 11th since the beginning of the month of July as for the Baltimore Orioles, John Means gives up that home run. Gives up three runs over the course of six innings and the guys behind him with the bats, they didn't help him out as they went one of nine with Ben scoring position. Dylan Tate, Tanner Scott, Ode Lopez. Yes, that Ode Lopez give you a score of slang, but for Tuki Tucson, gives up just one run over the course of five and a third innings. A.J. Minter along with Chris Martin both give you two-thirds of an inning scoreless. Tyler Manzik gives you an out out of the bullpen, and then Luke Jackson and Will Smith get jiggy with it. They both give you a scoreless inning, and for the Atlanta Braves, they've got the second-best record ever since the All-Star break. The top record belongs to the New York Yankees. They wound up getting rained out yesterday, but a team that did not wind up getting rained out, the Cleveland Indians in the fun Williamsport game. They wind up getting the job done over the Angels by a count of 3-0. to zero. Mr. Jose Suarez did not give the start that the team was looking for as he gives up three runs over the course of four innings for the Angels. I will say, they got some good signs of Steve Ciszek along with Austin Warren. Both give you a pair of scoreless innings out of the bullpen apiece, but for the Angels, nothing doing on offense. Cal Quantrill looks amazing right now. In six out of his last seven starts, he has allowed one runner fewer, seven scoreless in this one. James Karinczak, Brian Shaw, they combined for a scoreless inning, and Emmanuel Classe was able to get the save as the Cleveland Indians were able to get their biggest hit in the first inning. Amid Rosario, eighth home run season, that comes off of Suarez, that was a two-run shot, and the Angels could not muster anything as they are now second worst in the American League with regards to runs per game ever since the All-Star break. A team that is the worst in the National League with regards to runs per game all year, well, they got shut out as well. The St. Louis Cardinals take it to the Pirates by a count of 3-0. to zero. For the Pirates, they muster just four hits in this one. As How about this start from Adam Wainwright? Eight scoreless innings, giving up two hits, no walks. Alex Reyes, he gets his 28th save of the season. And Paul Goldschmidt was able to go deep off of Kyle Keller, his 19th home run season. Wasn't a bad start from Stephen Brault. Not a ton of length, but gives up one run over the course of four innings. Keller gives out that home run, giving up one run over the course of two innings. You have Anthony Banda give up a run in an inning, and Nick Mears was able to give you a scoreless inning. But for the Pittsburgh Pirates, once again, not a lot doing on offense. Nothing doing on offense for the Chicago White Sox. They wind up losing to the Tampa Bay Rays 9-0. For the White Sox, held down to seven hits in this one. They wind up stranding eight men on base. 
One Ronaldo Lopez had given up two runs or fewer in every one of his appearances so far this year. That streak is snapped. Going four innings, giving up three runs at the process, and Garrett Crochet, ever since the beginning of the month of June, has a north of 3-5 ERA. He winds up giving up three runs, all of which were earned over the course of one and two-thirds innings. Jose Ruiz gives you four outs, but he gives up two runs, so geez Luis there. And Ryan Burr gives up a run in an inning for the Tampa Bay Rays. They don't wind up going deep in this one, but they go 5-13 with men in scoring position, and Chris Archer made a start for the Tampa Bay Rays. We remember him as being the focal point of the Rays fleecing the Tampa Bay Rays. Two scoreless innings and his pseudo open from there. Adam Conley gives you a pair of outs out of the bullpen. Chris Mazza, four outs out of the bullpen. Josh Fleming, three scoreless innings. And Sean Armstrong, a pair of scoreless innings. So the Tampa Bay Rays just continue their winning ways as the Toronto Blue Jays could not. They wind up losing to the Detroit Tigers and they wind up losing this series. 5-3 to three of the finalized. The 500 home run club now is its 28th member. That would be Miguel Cabrera in the 6th inning. He goes deep off of Steven Mass, 13th of the season, 500th of his career. And for the Detroit Tigers, Drew Hutchinson, not a bad start after he wound up getting rocked in his first start of the year. Gives up one under run over the course of four and a third innings. He was hurt by Jameer Candelario throwing her. Kyle Funkhauser, he tried to bring the Funk two-thirds of an inning scoreless, but he did wind up giving up an error. From there, you wind up having Jose C. Serrano along with Alex Lane. Both give you a scoreless inning. You also have Gregory Soto give you two innings. Gave up an unearned run in the process. Joey Menace gives you a scoreless inning. And Michael Fulmer did give up a run in an inning, but for the Toronto Blue Jays, Really good start here out of Steven Matz. He gives up that home run to Miguel Cabrera, but that was it. Over the course of his six innings, giving up one run. Trent Thornton along with Trevor Richards both give you a scoreless inning, but Adam Simber in for the save. He gives up an unearned run in two-thirds of an inning. Hurt by Marcus Simeon throwing air. Taylor Salcido winds up completing that ninth inning. Brad Hand from there gives you a scoreless inning, but Kirby Sneed along with Mr. Overton. Connor Overton, they combine to give up two runs, one of which were earned in extra innings. And for the Blue Jays, they go one of 17 with men in score position stranding 14 men on base so now they are four and a half games clear of the Oakland A's and the Boston Red Sox for that final wild card spot so they are falling back a little bit and they're behind the Seattle Mariners of all teams and for the Seattle Mariners they just keep hanging around and hanging around six to three the final in 11 this was set up by the fact that the bases were loaded as Paul Seawald wound up taking the mound and he held them scoreless in the 10th inning Tyler Anderson, not a bad start here. Gives up two runs over the course of five and a third innings. He did allow a home run in the process to Jordan Alvarez, 25th home run season. Then the Seattle Mariners bullpen went to work. Josh Smith, pair of outs out of the bullpen. Anthony Machevich, Drew second rider. Combined for three scoreless saying Seawald, he gives you a scoreless saying Keenan Middleton, he gives up a run in a third of an inning, but you don't mess with the Johan Ramirez. Gets his first career save as he's able to get the final two outs. Pair of home runs here for the Seattle Mariners as well. The one that broke this game open, Kyle Seeger's 29th home run season. Three runs shot in the 11th inning, and then tie France. More like win France because you don't want to tie. 15th home run season, Fran Valdez wound up giving an absolutely amazing start here for the Houston Astros. Seven scoreless innings, Kendall Graveman, Ryan Presley both give up a run in an inning in their relief appearances. Brooks Raley, a scoreless inning, but Stanek gives up four runs, three of which were earned in the 11th inning, so if you, much like me, had the over, very lucky to get a push on that one. The Arizona Diamondbacks were not lucky in this one because they were just good. 8-4, to four, they wind up taking down the Colorado Rockies for Taylor Widener. Gives up one run over the course of five innings. Caleb Smith in long relief gives up two runs in two innings. Tyler Clipper gives up a run in an inning. And Taylor Clark gives you a scoreless inning as for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Pair of home runs in this one. Dalton Varsho, 
eighth home run season that comes off of 55 shades of John Gray. And Robert Stevenson serves one up to Christian Walker, his sixth of the campaign for Stevenson. Goes one and a third innings, giving up that home run. Ben Bowden, Yancy Almonte, both giving you an inning, giving up a run in the process. Lucas Gilbreth was able to give you an out out of the bullpen without giving up anything. But for Mr. John Gray, he winds up giving up five runs in five and a third innings. And for the Colorado Rockies, two of seven with men in scoring position. So the Rockies, who have the third best win percentage in the league at home so far this year, they wind up taking it out. The team with the best home win percentage this season, that would be the San Francisco Giants. They went on the road and got it done against the Oakland A's. 2-1 the final. How about the late game heroics from the Giants again? Another pinch hit home run lifted them to victory. Donovan Solano in the 8th inning off of A.J. Puck. His 6th home run season. Logan Webb has now won 12 straight starts with allowing 2 runs or fewer. The team is 11-1 in those starts, giving up 1 run over the course of 6 innings. Dominique Leon, Tyler Rogers. Jake McGee, they all give you a scoreless inning. And for the Oakland A's, you had Frankie Montas give you seven scoreless innings, but Puck gives up that home run. Two runs in total over the course of an inning. That wound up being the difference maker as Sergio Romo. He was able to also give you a scoreless inning. And of note, Starling Marte of the Marte Parte. A pair of stolen bases in this one. His 38th and 39th of the season. He now leads the league. The LA Dodgers entered into Sunday with the second best home win percentage in all of baseball, but they wind up dropping a home game to the New York Mets. 7-2 the final. The Dodgers had won nine straight games, six of those being by one run, but for the Mets, they were able to get a nice home run out of J.D. Davis to lift them to victory. His fifth of the season that comes off of Phil Bickford, who wound up giving up two runs in an inning. Neftali Felice came in and gave the teammates scoreless setting, and Shane Green Ups his ERA to a 935. He got one out, gave up two runs. Victor Gonzalez had to complete the ninth inning, but Bersuder Gradrell gives you two scoreless innings. And David Price, he gives up three runs over the course of four innings, and the Dodgers are now 4-6 and six in its 10 starts. For the Dodgers, not a lot doing on offense. Cody Bellinger was able to drive in a pair, but the Mets were able to get a very good start out of Marcus Stroman, who gives up two runs over the course of six innings. Drew Familia, Trevor May, Edwin Diaz, they all give you a scoreless inning. So now the Mets are, I believe, 6-14 and 14 in their last 20 games. So things not necessarily looking great for them, but they have gotten through now the toughest part of their schedule. The Cubs' schedule is just tough every single game because this team stinks. And if you took the New York Post play the day of the Kansas City Royals on the money line, this one never in doubt. 9-1, to one, the Royals get the job done. No home runs, but they just had the Cubs in danger all day long, going 5-18 of 18 with men in scoring position. And for Carlos Hernandez, another great start, giving up one run over the course of seven innings. Royals, by the way, 5-1 and one in his last six starts. Joel Payampas, Wade Davis, they both give you a scoreless setting. And for the Chicago Cubs, they go 1-6 of six with men in scoring position. Alec Mills got destroyed, giving up 11 total hits, 7 runs, 6 of which were earned over the course of 4 innings. From there, Ryan Messenger, along with Adrian Sampson, Rex Brothers, Michael Rucker, all give you a scoreless inning, and Rowan Wick winds up giving up 2 runs over the course of an inning. But for the Chicago Cubs, they are now 10-38 and 38 in their last 48 games. So that has not necessarily been too stellar for them. Not as stellar as it's been going for the Cincinnati Reds, who now have control of that second wildcard spot thanks to winning against the Miami Marlins 3-1 on Sunday for the Marlins. Not a lot doing on offense. They got three total hits, and it squanders a pretty good start from Sandy Alcantara. He punched out 11, gave up two solo runs over the course of seven innings, going deep for the Cincinnati Reds. How about Taylor Naquin off of both he and Anthony Bass? taking in Mokline and Sinker, 17th and 18th home run runs of the season. Mike Boussakis gets his fifth home run season, and for Bass, gives up that solo run over the course of an inning, but the Reds were able to get a very good start out of one Vladimir Gutierrez, giving up one run over the course of seven innings. Lucas Sims, Michael Lorenza, they come in for cleanup. Both 
giving you a scoreless thing. The Milwaukee Brewers were able to get a relatively solid start in their 7-3 win over the Washington Nationals. Sean Nolan got his first start, I believe, ever, giving up a home run, three runs in total over the course of four innings going deep for the Milwaukee Brewers. Colton Wong with a leadoff home run, 10th home run season, and then Lorenzo Cain later on in the game. He would be able to get his fifth home run season. That winds up coming off of Mr. Jeffrey Rodriguez as he winds up giving up two runs in an inning. Gabe Klobatis winds up giving up two runs, one of which was earned in his inning. Ryan Harper, Austin both both gave you a scoreless inning. But for the Milwaukee Brewers, relatively solid stuff here from Adrian Hauser. His first start in quite a while as he was on the injured list for a brief time. Gives up one under and run, only gave the team three and a third innings, but he was able to ease his way back from there. Hunter Strickland gives you two outs out of the bullpen. You wind up having two scoreless innings out of Aaron Ashby, who might wind up playing a little bit of a role for this team come the postseason. Holby Milner, he winds up giving up two runs in one and two-thirds innings, but Brad Boxberger scoreless inning, and Josh Hader was able to blow out the fire, got the final of the game, and his 26th save of the season, and the Brewers overcome going 1 of 12 with men in scoring position, so it could have actually been significantly worse for the Washington Nationals, who I believe are now 4-16 and 16 in their last 20 games, and you don't want to be 4-16 and 16 on your bet, so you want to be paying attention to everything that is happening in Major League Baseball right now. And if you're just taking a look at how things have been going the last 30 days in baseball, unders have been doing very well for you. You've got an under rate of right around 51.8%, 199 unders, 185 overs over the last 30 days, and underdogs in that time span, they haven't been doing great. Favorites are hitting at a 62.8% clip, 253 and 150 in that time span. Home teams hitting right around 53.8% of the time, 218 and 187. If you're looking at the last seven days, so we're going to shorten this down a little bit. Home teams 57 and 37, hitting at a 60.5% clip. Favorites relatively equal to the last 30 days. 59 and 35, that's 62.8% in this time span. Unders, 50 of them. Overs, 36. So we've seen about 58% of games go under over the last seven days. If you're looking for this season, unders have a lead of overs at 887 and 885. Yeah, bookmakers know what they're doing with regards to these totals. Favorites, they've been doing quite well this year. 1,099 and 742. That is a 59.7% win rate. And home teams winning 55% of the time. 1,021 and 836. So that's what we're all seeing in Major League Baseball right now. And that's what we saw from Major League Baseball on Sunday. Now let's turn the page forward to Monday and take a look at some of these wild playoff races with John Jansen of Fox Sports Philadelphia. The Gambler hosts the show The Line Change. You're able to catch that from 8 to 11 p.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday, 5 to 8 p.m. Pacific. He's going to join me next to discuss all that and Monday's games right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast with myself, Craig Peterson. Greg is calling in a pinch hitter from the Overtime Network Hotline. And we're back here Lovey Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Got a great guest for you today as John Jansen does a terrific job over there with Fox Sports Philadelphia The Gambler. His main show is The Lion Change as from 8 to 11 p.m. Eastern, 5 to 8 p.m. Pacific. And if you're looking for John on Twitter, you're able to follow him at jjansen 34 I know that he does some work with Win Daily Sports as well. And John, it is great to have you aboard. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me on. And we get to play another week of Are the Phillies Good or Not? And I think good, maybe? I'm not sure. I don't know. Still figuring that out. Yep, exactly. But I think that we can both agree on one thing. 
right now the Atlanta Braves are looking like the best team in this NL East. Now, I will say the schedule has been pretty sharp and soft for them recently. But with that said, not all teams in baseball, I'm looking at you, the San Diego Padres, can actually (laughs) beat the teams that they are supposed to beat. The Atlanta Braves have done that, and they have done that in droves. And I really am impressed by the Braves because this is a team that, I'll admit it, I wanted writing them off a little bit when they wound up having the Ronald Acuna Jr. injury. I thought that that was the nail in the coffin. They've went out, they've gotten Adam Duvall, Ore Soler, so many others to be able to fortify this team. And the Braves right now, they're looking like the best team in the NL East. And right now, the Mets, they're not even looking like a top two team in the NL East. No, the Mets, the Mets are completely done. That was pretty clear, I think, about a week or so ago. Things were just going so downhill. The lineup has been awful, and I don't think we can expect it to change at this point. Much the same with, like we talk about the Giants. When does it all of a sudden just become, okay, the Giants are good instead of, okay, they're playing above their heads and they're going to regress? I think that's the same thing with the Mets. We know what that lineup is, and now I think we know what this team is, especially with the pitch regressing. Now, but the Braves, I didn't want to write them off after those moves that they made. They stayed aggressive at the trade deadline. They brought in a few pieces, which are helping out a lot with the way the Phillies and how they are and how they basically shoot themselves in the foot all the time. And that Diamondback series was a big part of it because if they win that Diamondback series, along with what they did in San Diego, you know, they're right up there. But they shoot themselves in the foot all the time because of, you know, bad pitching, defensive errors, catches up to you. And this lineup isn't good enough to be able to carry them like the Braves have. So I always thought the Braves had more of a chance probably in the Phillies and Mets to the trade deadline. And we are seeing that lineup really paying off. And some of the trade deadline moves that they made really paying off. Yep. And you speak of the San Diego Padres because I think that going into the week, if you said that the Phillies would take two of three in one of their series and take one of three in the other, you certainly would have thought that they would have taken only one from the Padres and two from the Arizona Diamondbacks. (laughs) Instead, it was a complete opposite. And my goodness, the San Diego Padres team has just went into a big, giant baseball crevice at this point. I mean, they were in full control. I all year have been saying that we would be getting three teams in from the NLS. This Padres bullpen has just been used to oblivion. They have just been trotted out there time and time again for four-plus innings on seemingly a nightly basis. And I take a look at it, and all of a sudden, that second wildcard spot, currently held by the Cincinnati Reds, Things get very interesting. I'm not saying that a team like the Phillies might be able to grab it, but they're not necessarily out of it. No, I will say that's probably the red spot if the Padres continue this way. The Reds lineup is exactly what everybody thinks of the Phillies lineup or what it should be. And I guess here in Philadelphia, having that perspective of, you know, this lineup can carry the Phillies into the playoffs. This is the way it was supposed to be built. You know, that the lineup can carry them through any situation. I just don't think it's that good. And, you know, JT Romuto is not having that kind of season as well. The Reds are like that lineup is legitimately one of the best lineups in all of baseball, and that's going to get them into the playoffs. And they are continuing to hit well. They have two extremely good hitters in Jesse Winker and Nick Castellanos. I think the Reds are in prime position to do it. I don't think the Phillies do it. There's too many things about that team that they shoot themselves in the foot way too often for me to think that they can get over a team like the Reds. But yeah, the Padres are reeling, and I think you called it. It's just a bullpen being used into oblivion it's probably something maybe we should have had an idea of like joe musgrove we know is good and he's pitching well you know but i don't think we could have expected him to be like ace material to do anything completely spectacular like a number one would like a max scherzer you darvish has been injured blake snell that was a great trade by the rays because snell we knew was sort of regressing a bit and didn't look like the ace he was a few years ago and he's looked anything but an ace and maybe something a little bit expected with the padres that this starting rotation was good 
but it was kind of a starting rotation that you can see it become vulnerable at some point, and it has, I think. Yep, and Mike Clevenger has given the team as many innings as myself, which that's not necessarily <laughs> what you want from them, as we do yeah. have John Jansen joining me on the podcast. And John, we don't necessarily have the world's biggest slate for Monday, but I do think that we've got some very fascinating games. The Red Sox are now going to be playing on Monday due to that rainout, but I take a look at the game between the Yankees and the Atlanta Braves. You've got Uska, you know, who's going to be going for the Braves and Jordan Montgomery on the bump for the Yankees. Only place I'm finding a line on this is DraftKings with the Braves at minus 145. I think that this might be a little bit too much respect being paid to Uska, you know, who's only made one start really since the middle of May because you take a look at the Yankees and the Braves. This is ironically enough a matchup of the two teams with the best record ever since both the trade deadline and the all-star break. These two teams have really been able to get hot, get back into the playoff run. And I do think that this is going to be a fascinating game. Should the Braves be a favorite? Yes. I don't know if I'm necessarily looking to lay 145 in this spot, though. No, I completely agree with you. 145, it just seems like you're buying way too high, I guess, right now on the Braves. And on the other side of things, it's not like the Yankees, like you just said. It's not like they've been okay the second half. They've been one of the best teams in baseball as well. And I think you have to respect the winning streak that they're on. I like the Yankees. I think with a plus money there, and Jordan Montgomery's actually been pretty good. And a lot of it with the Yankees has been the fact that they've actually been able to pitch better. The lineup's gotten a little bit better. So I know things have certainly gotten better for them in those respects. But look, the Yankees have won the last three starts Jordan Montgomery has had. He's given up four runs in 9.2 innings so far in the month of August. So he's still continuing to pitch well, and I think well enough that the price is certainly worth it for the Yankees. I agree with you. I do think that both of these teams come in firing on all cylinders. And the Oakland A's, time and time again, they've been able to fire on all cylinders this year. This is a bunch of which wound up having two gut-wrenching losses against the San Francisco Giants. Now they play against a Seattle Mariners team that we've been wondering all year long when this team will fade from the wild card picture. They have yet to. They're only three games out of it as the Red Sox and the A's are currently tied for that second wild card spot. And hey, they've got a chance to be able to make up some ground here against the Oakland A's. Right now, we've got Marco Gonzalez and company for the Seattle Mariners about a plus 110, seeing as high as a plus 113 underdog against the Oakland A's who trot out there. Guy, I have no faith in Paul Blackburn. I'm going to be taking a look at the Seattle Mariners in this spot. Marco Gonzalez silently has been really good for the Seattle Mariners recently. Meanwhile, I take a look at Mr. Blackburn. Ever since the beginning of the 2018 season, he's made, I believe, nine starts and 12 total appearances. He's got north of an ADRA, and that's something that I just don't want to be messing with in this spot. No, not at all. And yeah, I think we have to take into account that Marco Gonzalez is having himself an absolute banger of a month. 27 innings, two earned runs, and only one home run allowed in the month of August in those four starts. In 27 innings, only allowed one home run in the month before he allowed seven home runs in 19.2 innings. So Marco Gonzalez is just on an absolute tear right now. The athletics, they have burned me a little bit too much lately. I'm with you. I'm going the Seattle Mariners way here. I think Marco Gonzalez is the perfect pitcher in the mound. I may stick with the first five because the athletics are a pesky team that their bullpen's so strong and I don't trust the Mariners too much, even though they are playing well. This might be a little bit of a first five, but yeah, I think I might be leaning the Mariners side here as well. Yeah, this is going to be my New York Post later today as I just do not want to be taking a shot on Mr. Blackburn, especially for an Oakland A's team that they just wound up having their hearts ripped out of them twice by the San Francisco <laughs> Giants over the past 72 hours. As we do have John Jansen joining me on the podcast. And John, we've got a couple of lopsided lines, but we've got the league leader in wins in Kyle Hendricks 
going for the Chicago Cubs against Antonio Sensatel of the Colorado Rockies. And right now, league leader and wins only about a minus-130 favorite against the Colorado Rockies. If this were a game in Coors Field, I'd be all over the Rockies. This game, unfortunately, is not in Coors Field, which means I just don't think that we're going to be able to get a very good effort out of the Rockies. I will say, over the last month or so, they have looked a little bit better on the road, but it just seems like the Cubs can win nothing other than Kyle Hendricks' starts at this point ever since they wound up trading away everything. I don't know how and I don't know why, but this is just a spot in which I'm going to be probably taking a look at the Cubs here, even though they have been really scuffling ever since the all-star break yeah it's a really simple i guess way to look at it too you know just the fact that kyle hendricks is 14 and 5 the most wins in baseball so you take a look at the cubs the record's not impressive they're a bad team but they win kyle hendricks starts and the context as well of the rockies at home easy to fade 14 and 45 on the road it's so easy to bet on that for the rockies to lose on the road again and especially at such a short price line I will take that. It's the perfect spot to do it because in the situation, yes, the Cubs and Rockies are both really bad teams in baseball, but just in the situation that both teams are in with Kyle Hendricks on the mound for the Cubs and the Rockies losing all these road games, it's just kind of a perfect little formula. And it's easy enough to look at of, okay, yeah, I can see the path here to the Cubs winning. And these are usually the games that they do win. And we've got two very lopsided lines with the Rangers being right around a plus 280 underdog against the Boston Red Sox, the Houston Astros are laying about minus 225-ish against Kansas City Royals, and that leaves the other game with Umberto Mejia getting the start for the Arizona <laughs> Diamondbacks and Will Crow going for the Pittsburgh Pirates. A good old classic toilet bowl matchup in which, unfortunately, one team has to come out with the W. I don't know about you, but I don't think that I'm going to be taking a shot at minus no. 105 on Mr. Mejia, which is what we're finding right now at DraftKings. I don't know if I want to go anywhere near at all a Pirates and Diamondback series. Like, Rockies, Cubs, it's getting borderline. Okay, that's not good. But you can find something, again, with those two teams, and especially with the Cubs and Kyle Hendricks. But, man, there's nothing to love about that Pirates-Diamondback series. There's so many different ways that series can go and so many potential ways that each team can lose a game in that series just no i'm with you man there's nothing there with arizona and pittsburgh that i would love to bet on at all i would say if you're betting on this game you need to call 1-800 gambler but yeah. i would need to call 1-800 gambler and i don't want to do that so you know what if you're betting on this game i'm right there with you but this one's a little bit better as there's one game that we haven't talked about yet that's white Sox versus blue jays alec manoa going for the jays lance lynn on the bump for the white Sox. Relative pick game, White Sox have separated themselves as more like a minus 110-ish favorite, but this is going to be really fascinating because we've been waiting for the Blue Jays to be able to really burst out, perhaps be able to make that push for the playoffs. They have yet to be able to do so. They're now 11 and a half games back when you take a look at the division. And in the wild card, they're currently four and a half games out. They're actually still a game and a half behind the Seattle Mariners. This is a critical series for them. And this is not the team that you want to be facing in the White Sox, especially with Lance Lynn going, who I would argue right now should be the leader in the clubhouse for the American League Cy Young. That's what gets really interesting here because Lance Lynn is 10 and three and the Chicago White Sox have won, you know, the last five starts that he has pitched. And even if you take back all the way to July, they've only lost one of his eight starts. So, Obviously, Lance Lind is an incredible pitcher, and the White Sox are a great team. You know, I would maybe look and just see how ridiculous maybe some of the prices are with 
Toronto in the team total. And I know Lance Lane has been great, but I have a feeling if it's low enough, I think it's worth taking a shot on Toronto at home. Like Toronto is a good home hitting team. I think home cooking would be kind of interesting to look at from the perspective, at least Toronto putting up runs. But where I wouldn't go is taking a minus 105. That would have to be a little bit higher for me. Again, Lance Lynn on his way, maybe to winning a Cy Young and to get a short line. You know, Alex Mello has been great. I think Alex has been really good for his rookie season and he's going to be a really good pitcher. But that's got to be a higher price for me to take it. Even though the White Sox are only 30 and 30 on the road, Lance Lynn is just too good to not have this price. I do want to see if at least the Toronto Blue Jays can maybe get to him for a couple of runs, then get to the bullpen for a couple of runs as well. I'm going to be interested to see if I can find anything of value. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens with this one because to your point, if the White Sox were like more like minus 140 or something like that, yeah, I could get on board with the Blue Jays. Getting them at even money, I would certainly need a plus price there. And we always get a plus price on this podcast whenever you join, John, because... You always help us make some money. You do a terrific job over there with Fox Sports Philadelphia, The Gambler. Your show, The Line, changes tremendous. And I know you do some things with SiriusXM Fantasy, Win Daily Sports. list goes on and on. So let the good people at home know they're able to follow you on social media and just everything that you've got going on in general. Yeah, I don't know what it is, and I don't have the record in front of me, but I always feel like every time I come on this podcast, like I don't know if my picks are really doing that well. Or I always get the picks, I'm like, I don't know if that was a good pick. Like This is Greg's podcast. Greg is really good at this. Man, I got to be better. And then every single time the next day, I'm like, oh, man, my picks actually won. That's not bad. So there seems to be some magic on this show here. So that's a good thing. But yeah, follow me at jjansen34. And that's where you can see everything. I work for Wind Daily Sports as well, winddailysports.com, ramping up a lot of DFS and season-long content for the fantasy football season. But my show, The Line Change, 8 to 11 weeknights on The Gambler. And a lot of great stuff coming up for the fall. So stay tuned on that at Fox Beach Hill Gambler, our social accounts. But also just follow me at jjansen34 as well. And John does an absolutely terrific job with so many different things, doing his work with Wind Daily Sports, obviously Fox Sports Philadelphia, the gambler, and it's always great to get him aboard on this podcast. So big thanks to John for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast and coming in next this that time podcast. Thank you, Sign Turtle, on every game on the betting board for this Monday and a little something like call, touch them all. Welcome back to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson as we're off to a quality start. And now it's time to walk it off in a grand fashion. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. And yes, we are back here in lovely Las Vegas. A big thanks to John Jansen doing tremendous work over there with Fox Sports Philadelphia, the gambler, for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time the podcast to give you a sign total on every game for the Monday MOB betting card in a little something I like to call Touch Em All. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at JRSCORD1. We are going to be going into Las Vegas rotation order. Typically, this is where we go nationally games first, then the American League games, and then interleague games are on the bottom, but with the Rangers and Red Sox getting rained out yesterday, that is a game that is going to be at the bottom since it was a little bit of a write-in, a little bit unexpected so that's the order that we're going to be going in. A little bit of a short slate today, but hopefully we can make it a profitable one as we begin with 901-902 on the betting board. The Arizona Diamondbacks hit the road face off against the Pittsburgh Pirates. William Crow is going to be going for the Buccos. Humberto Mejia is going to be on the bump for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks are finding themselves at minus 105 on DraftKings. Minus 115 is price on the Pittsburgh Pirates. Only place that has a lineup on this one. 8.5 is your total over and under, both at minus 110. 
This is a pair of struggling offenses, and this is a pair of guys that you don't necessarily have a ton of faith in from a starting pitching perspective, but I do take a look at William Crow, and he's actually been better recently. This is a man that when it comes to earned runs, because he has been the victim of some unearned runs, but with regards to just earned runs and earned runs only in his last eight starts, in some of them, he's given up three earned runs or fewer. Now, he has been getting let up quite a bit in that time span. He has given up seven home runs as well, so that's a little bit of an issue, but still, this is a guy that it seems like he's really improved as a pitcher. He is giving up right around 4.4 walks per nine innings, but you take a look at Mr. Umberto Mejia. This is someone that wanted making three starts during the 2020 season for the Miami Marlins, and to say that he wasn't sharp would be very generous. Posted a 5.40 ERA, so he didn't necessarily last very long. Wound up giving up eight total runs over the course of 10 innings, so you've got your deficiencies there. And then when it comes to the Arizona Diamondbacks, it's not like you're going to be getting a whole heck of a lot out of the bullpen. Joe Manette Tipley has actually been able to give you a little bit of something, and the corpse of Tyler Clippard, who has been in the MLB for like 37 seasons, he's actually been able to give this team a little bit of something, but you take a look at Mejia, and what I think is very fascinating about him is that overall in the minor league so far this year, he is 5-8. and eight. Across his 18 starts, he's went right around 86 and two-thirds innings, and he's given up a 1.5 home runs per 9 innings. His opponent's batting average is north of a 250, so it's not like you're necessarily getting a whole ton out of him. Then you take a look at guys like Jake Ferry and Matt Peacock. Former starters, they're probably going to be looked to for long relief. And then when you take a look at the Pittsburgh Pirates, this is the team in the National League with the worst overall offense. Now, Yoshi Satsugo was able to hit a pair of home runs over the weekend over the last three days against the St. Louis Cardinals. So, you might be able to get a little bit of something out of him. You've got Ben Gamble, Cabrian Ace, along with Wilmer Defoe, all hitting between, I would say, about a 248 and a 260. But then you've got Michael Perez, Gregory Palonco. You're able to throw in there Hoy Park, Kaye Tom. Bunch of guys in below the middle line of 200. Brian Reynolds, along with Polanco, are the only two guys that have at least 10 home runs for this team. For Reynolds, 21 home runs. He's hitting above a 300. He's been able to do his part in Cal Moran. He's been able to hit it right around 270 for this bunch. And for the Pittsburgh Pirates, you've got a bullpen that's been pretty solid. David Bernard did not wind up getting used up yesterday, so he's going to be available along with a guy like Jason Shreve as well. Even Dwayne Underwood Jr. from time to time is able to give you some good innings. Then you take a look at the Arizona Diamondbacks, and this is a bunch of which it's been... Very up and down for them, but ever since the All-Star break, they're only right around two games below 500. You've got Quetel Marte of the Marte Parte hitting a 350, so he's certainly been able to do the job for this team. Now, Josh Rojas is the only guy on the roster right now with a double-digit amount of homers. He's went deep 11 times. He's hitting a 285, but you do have Paven Smith sitting right around 270, but got a bunch of guys like Christian Walker, Dalton Varsho, Ezreal Cabrera, hitting between, I would say, about a 230 and 245, but able to get a little bit of something out of Carson Kelly, but this is a spot in which I'm going to be taking the over. As long as it's below a 9, I'm willing to take a look at the over. I set this just above an 8.5, and, and with the Pirates, willing to set them as more around about a minus 135-ish favor with Crow going, so we're going to be taking the Buccos, and I'm going to be taking this total over. 9-3, on the banking board. The Colorado Rockies hit the road face-off against the Chicago Cubs. Kyle Hendricks is going to be going for the Cubs. Antonio Sensatella is going to be going for the Rockies. Currently, there is no total up anywhere on this because it is a Wrigley Field game. A lot of books like to determine the win before they wind up setting a total, but I can tell you right now, I made my total on this game 9.7, so I'd be looking at an over if it is a 9.5 or lower, a 10 or higher. I'd be taking a look at the under, but we do have money line prices on this game. If you're taking a look at the Cubs on the money line, you're going to be getting them right in the neighborhood between a minus 128 and a minus 134. Meanwhile, on the Rockies, it is anywhere between a plus 110 and a plus 124. I want to say the Chicago Cubs is closer to about a minus 150 favorite. 
Kyle Hendricks actually leads the league with regards to total wins. How or why, I have absolutely no idea, but the team has just been able to get W's for him whenever he's taking the mound, and it's not like he's necessarily been dominant. Throughout his career, Kyle Hendricks has always been significantly better at Wrigley Field than he has been on the road. It's been the reverse so far this year. An 8-1 record with a 3 ERA on the road, 6-4 with a 5-1-7 at home, and at home he's given up 16 home runs over the course of 69 and two-thirds innings, 9 over the course of 75 innings on the road, and opponents are getting a 296 off of him at Wrigley Field. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Colorado Rockies and this bunch has the worst batting average on the road of any team so far this year and they've got the best home batting average as well so they have been just so demonstratively different when they've been at Coors versus away from Coors as this is a team that on the road has a collective 210 batting average you've been able to get a little bit of something out of Charlie Blackman he's hit at 287 on the road but out of all of his home runs, all but one of them at Comet Coors Field, you take a look at a guy like a CJ Crone. He has been able to do a solid job of being able to give you a home run so far this year with 21, but 17 of them have come at Coors Field. Trevor Story on the road. His batting average sinks to about a 200. It's more like a 300 at home, so he's got a lot of that going on with the Rockies. This is a bullpen that is a hot mess to say the least. Yancey Almonte is right around a 9-ish ERA. Ulysse Chassin and Carlos Estevez have sadly been two of the better pieces for this team along Daniel Bard, so that tells you where they're at right now. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Chicago Cubs, and they sold away all their bullpen pieces. You've got Cody Hoyer, who's trying to give you a couple innings. His ERA is right around a 435 so far this year. Michael Rucker has just been getting destroyed on a night-in-and-night-out basis. Manuel Rodriguez is someone that I don't necessarily have a ton of faith in, though in a limited sample size, hasn't necessarily been too bad, but I do take a look at this spot. I do think that Kyle Hendricks is going to be able to turn a good start against a guy in Antonio Sensatello that he certainly has had his deficiencies when he's been on the road overall this year. Why he deserves a bit better than a 2-9 record, but you take a look at him at home, 389 ERA on the road, 580 ERA is very similar splits to this throughout his career, and at eight road starts, he is 0-6. He's given up five home runs at 40 and a third inning, so it's not like he's been lit up with that regard, but he's just given up a lot of contact in general. Opponents are a 335 off of him, away from Coors Field, so this is fine in which I'm going to lay more like a minus 150 with the Cubs, so I'm going to be taking them on the money line, and like I said, 9.5 or Lower going to be taking a look at the over 10 or higher going to be taking a look at the under. 9-5, 9-6 on the bang board. The Chicago White Sox hit the road to face off against the Toronto Blue Jays. Alec Manoa is going to be going for the Jays. Lance Lynn is going to be on the bump for the White Sox. White Sox, slight favorites here. Anywhere between minus 108 and minus 114. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Jays, you're going to be finding them as bad as a minus 105, as good as a plus 104. 8.5 to 9 is your total on the 9. Under is minus 120, and the over is even. On the 8.5, over is anywhere between minus 105, minus 115, and the same goes for the under. Lance Lynn has been very dominant for the White Sox all season long. And for the White Sox, I've got them as more around a minus 140-ish favorite because you take a look at Alec Manoa, and yeah, he's been able to do a relatively solid job so far this year, but he just seems to have some hiccups along the way. He wound up giving up seven runs, six of which were earned in his last start against the Washington Nationals. It seems like there's getting more tape out on him, and he's being figured out a little bit more because he has gotten four strikeouts or fewer and now three out of his last four starts. He's backed up by a bullpen that's relatively solid, but Brad Ann has not necessarily been the acquisition that they were hoping for. You've got a couple guys like Connor Overton, Taylor Saucedo that have been up and down. Kirby Seed is someone that I do like, and Adam Simber has been relatively solid, but then you take a look at the White Sox, and you do have a two-headed monster that I think is going to be able to get going a little bit more in Liam Hendricks along with Craig Kimbrell. Both of these guys have had some recent struggles, but I think that they're going to be able to find their way, and then with the White Sox as well. Got a lot of guys that have come off the injured list and have been able to do a little bit of something. Luis Robert hitting a 325 for this team. Eloy Jimenez is hitting right 
hitter on 300. He's got six home runs in 22 games, so he's been able to find it. All of a sudden, you've got Carlos Hernandez only hitting about at 230, but he's been able to give the same 20-plus home runs. You've also had Jose Abreu now lead the league with regards to RBI, 255 batting average, north of 20 home runs for him. Andrew Vaughn hitting at 260 as well. He's been able to get on base. You've got Yoel Moncada with right around 8370 on base. Then you take a look at the flip side for this Blue Jays team, and they are without George Springer, but they certainly don't have a shortage of managers as you've got a pair of guys with north of 30 home runs so far this year. Marcus Simeon, Vlad Guerrero Jr., Guerrero Jr., 400 on base for the team as well. Tasker Hernandez is hitting right in the neighborhood about a 310. Alejandro Kirk, Reese McGuire, they've done a solid job at the catcher spot. Randall Gritchick, he's got north of 20 home runs so far this year. You've had Bo Bichette do a very good job of setting the table for the team. That had leadoff yesterday, hitting right around 285. He's been able to supply 20-plus home runs for the team. So I do think that you're going to have a pretty lethal offense here with the Blue Jays. But Lance Lynn, all year long, home and road, has been very solid. He's given up right around .9 home runs per nine innings. His walks per nine have ballooned to right around at 2.7. But still, on the road so far this year, 247 ERA across eight starts. He has a lot of three home runs in 43 and two-thirds innings away from Chicago. Opponents overall for the season, they are hitting just a buck 99 off of him. I do think that he's going to be able to turn a good start here. So this is a spot in which I did wind up saying the total 8.6 because I do think that we're going to be able to see the best of Lance Lynn. So I'm going to look at one of those nines and I'm going to take that under and I'm also going to be laying it here with the White Sox. 907-908 on the bang board. The Houston Astros are going to be playing against the Kansas City Royals. Daniel Lynch is going to be going for the Royals. Meanwhile, it is Zach Greinke on the bump for the Astros. Astros are a sizable favorite, finding them anywhere between a minus 230 and a minus 245. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Royals, you're going to be getting them as bad as a plus 190, as good as a plus 221. Nine is your total over and under anywhere between even money and minus 120. So we've got a very wide range there, but I did take a look at this spot, and I do think that Zach Greinke is going to be able to deliver a good one. I want to say the Astros personally as right around a minus 240 favorite with the run line of this, by the way. Just going to give this out right away. I was willing to lay up to about a minus 135 with the Astros. Find that between minus 120 and minus 130, so I am all aboard that. Now, I will caution you with the Houston Astros. They don't necessarily get as good a performance out of Zach Greinke at home as they do on the road. You take a look at Greinke on the road. He's got a 234 ERA. He is 6-0 in his 12 starts. Has given up 10 home runs on the road. Over the course of 77 innings, meanwhile, you take a look at him at home. 13 bombs given up over the 72 and two-thirds innings. Opponents are going to get 278 off of him at home, and he's got a 458 ERA. But you also take a look at Mr. Lynch. He has been able to rein it in a little bit more recently, and he's given up a little bit less than a home run per nine innings. His walks per nine rate, that is hovering in the pocket of about a 3.8. You take a look at him recently, has given up three runs or fewer in each out of his last five starts, including a very good start against the Astros about a week or so ago, which he gives up a one run over the course of seven innings. That got the team the W, but you also take a look at Mr. Lynch, and this is someone that he just hasn't necessarily been able to get a whole lot of swing and miss. He's getting right around seven strikeouts per nine innings, and on the road, opponents are getting a 316 off of him. Now with the Kansas City Royals, you have quite a few guys hitting between, I would say, about a 260 to a 275. Nicky Lopez and Wayne Mirafield have just exceeded that with both guys in between a 277 and a 282. But you've also got Salvador Perez and Elzer Alberto hitting in that neighborhood. You're able to throw in there Emmanuel Rivera. And for Mr. Perez, he has been able to do a great job of going yard. 32 home runs, 80 RBI, 272 batting average. And Benetendi, he's now hitting right around a 265 as well. So he's picked it up recently. Now, Hunter Dozier, he's hitting a 210, but that's actually been much better recently. Carlos Santana, he's had a little bit of a rough go of it ever since 
since the beginning of the month of July, hitting right around a 215-ish, but on base percentage, still right around a 335. And then you take a look at the flip side for the Houston Astros, and you've got a whole bunch of guys that are still hitting very well. They've been able to absorb the loss of Alex Bregman with guys like Alamendi's Diaz and company hitting above a 3 or Michael Brantley is hitting a 320. Carlos Correa, Jose Altuve, both hitting between a 275 and a 280. Correa has 19 home runs so far this year. Jose Altuve, he has one deep 25 times. Jordan Alvarez is doing a little bit of everything for this bunch as well. Hitting a 290-25 home runs for him. So, list goes on and on of guys that are able to hit. And then with the Kansas City Royals, got a couple guys that are able to rely upon out of the bullpen. Josh Samount has been able to do a little bit more of something. He's had his ups and downs so far this year, but he, Jake Brent, Scott Barlow are relatively good. Now, Wade Davis, Greg Holland, these guys are a little bit washed. Then you take a look at the Houston Astros, and they did wind up using up Kendall Graveman, Ryan Stanek, and Ryan Presley yesterday, but you still have a guy in Yimi Garcia that you're able to look to. I think that you're going to be able to get some quality innings moving forward out of Christian Avier as sort of that super reliever as well. So, I do take a look at this spot, and I'm going to be taking a shot here on the Houston Astros on the run line. And with the total being set at 9, I'm going to be looking at it over. I want saying this total relatively high. I personally went with a 9.8, so we're going to be going over, and I'm going to be going with the Astros on the run line. 909-910 on the betting board. It is by New York Postal. It is the Seattle Mariners hit the road to face off against the Oakland A's. Paul Blackburn is going to be going for the A's. Marco Gonzalez is going to be on the bump for the Mariners. Mariners find themselves as slight underdogs here. Going to be able to get them anywhere between a plus 105 and seeing as good as a plus 113. Meanwhile, if you're looking to lay it here with the A's, you're going to be getting them anywhere between minus 115 and minus 123. We were talking about this with John Jansen, the fact that Marco Gonzalez... My goodness, he has looked really good recently for this team. Given up three runs or fewer in each out of his last five starts. And here in the month of August, he has made four starts. And he's got right around a 0.63 ERA. He's done a good job of being able to keep the ball down. He's given up just one home run over his last four starts. Has given up just four walks in his last four starts. Not necessarily giving you a bunch of swings and misses. Right around 7.3-ish strikeouts per nine innings. But certainly has been serviceable. Then you take a look at Paul Blackburn. He has spent time in the Oakland A's organization as a starter at the big league level from 2017 until now. But if you take a look at him, from 2018 on, his ERA is north of an 8. He just has not been very good with that regard. He's a guy that throughout his career has given you right around 4.5 to 5 strikeouts per 9 innings, so it's not giving you a lot of swings and misses. In his first start of the year against the Chicago White Sox a few days ago, gave up 3 runs over the course of 5 and a third innings. You're able to live with that because you do have guys coming out of this bullpen that have been very good. Sergio Romo ever since the beginning of the month of June. He's got a sub-2 ERA. He winds up getting used up yesterday, but with that, that means that you still have Andrew Chafin who's able to come out of the bullpen today. It also means that you're going to have Jake Diekman available. You do like what you're seeing out of Lou Trevino as well. But then on the flip side, for the Seattle Mariners, they've been able to get some good innings out of someone like a Paul Seawald. I know that he's been a little bit banged up recently, but he's been able to do a good job. I take a look at what you've also been able to get out of a guy in... Casey Sadler, and it's been impressive. He's not going to be available. He's not on the injured list, but Drew Seconder, Eric Swanson, they are not on the injured list, and they've been very good for the team as well. Matt Andrees is someone that they're going to kick the tires on, try to get a little bit of long relief out of. Now with the Seattle Mariners, batting average is not good for the team. They're at the bottom of the American League with that regard, but Ty France hitting a 292 for this bunch is good. Mitch Anniger along with Kyle Seager, both giving you between 27 and now 29 home runs for Kyle Seager. So these guys have been impressive. Now with Seager, you're able to throw in there Lewis Torrance, Tom Murphy, Jake Fraley, Jake Bowers, Cal Raleigh, Dylan Moore, Jared Kelnick. 
All these guys are in a 218 or lower, so that certainly has been an issue. But Abraham Toro, ever since coming over from the Houston Astros, hitting north of a 280. You've got J.P. Crawford hitting right around 270 as well. Then you take a look at the Oakland A's, and they've had some trials and tribulations, but you have been able to get a lot of something out of some of the trade deadline acquisitions. Starling Marte of the Marte Parte with a 37 stolen bases. That is tied for the league lead. He's hitting north of a 320. You've had Josh Harrison be able to hit right around 290 for this bunch. And you take a look at Marte along with Harrison Marte. Arcana throw in there, Matt Olson and Tony Kemp as well. All these guys have at least a 365 on base. Now you need to get a little bit more of something out of guys like Elvis Andrews, Sean Murphy, Chad Pinder from a batting average perspective, but this is a team that all of a sudden, Matt Chapman has been able to step up for five home runs over the last 10 days for him. And then you take a look at the power in general on this team. You've got a lot of guys having between 12 and 16 home runs for this team. Seth Brown, Mark Canna, Jed Lowry, Sean Murphy, and the now out due to PEDs, Ramon Laurie. So you had a lot of that going on, but I just don't have a lot of faith here in Paul Blackburn because I do think that what we're seeing out of Marco Gonzalez, it is real and it is really good. So in this spot, I wound up saying the Mariners is more around a minus 124 favorite. I also did wind up saying this all at 9.8. I think that there's going to be no shortage of runs. So the New York Post play today is the Mariners on the money line, and I'm taking the over as well. 9-11, 9-12 on the betting board. The Atlanta Braves are going to be playing us the New York Yankees. Jordan Montgomery is going to be going for the Yankees. Uscotty Anoa is going to be going for the Atlanta Braves. Right now, the only line is at DraftKings. And why did the interview with John Jansen, the Braves were at a minus 145. That is down to a minus 140. Yankees are at plus 120. Nine is your total. Under is minus 120. And the over is even with the Yankees. I need at least a plus 127 to take a shot here. At most books, you're going to find a dime line. So if you wind up having a minus 140 on the Atlanta Braves in a lot of spots, that would mean that the Yankees will probably be closer to a plus 130. So that's most likely where I'm going to be looking on this one once the lines come out in the AM. You take a look at Jordan Montgomery. He certainly hasn't necessarily been the same pitcher on the road as he has been at home. 336 home ERA, 414 road ERA. In 12 starts on the road, has given up 7 home runs and 63 innings, but has been able to do a much better job recently on the road. His road struggles were very pronounced at the beginning of the year. You take a look at him recently, and he's now given up three runs or fewer in each out of his last four starts on the road, so that is something that is very good for him. And then you take a look at the flip side for Uscott Yanoa. Prior to going on the injured list, this guy was very sharp, and he came off the injured list with five and a third inning scoreless against the Miami Marlins, so that was a very good sign, but at the same time, Keep in mind, it was against the Miami Marlins now with both of these teams. They have the top two records ever since the All-Star break, so both of these teams have been ascending in their respective playoff races, but when you take a look at this Atlanta Braves lineup, I do have a little bit more faith in them because you do have a pair of guys in Austin Riley along Freddie Freeman. Both of these gentlemen hitting at least a 295. Both of these gentlemen at least 27 home runs. Ode Soler certainly is not a guy that is necessarily going to hit for average, but he's got 18 home runs so far this year. You take a look at when those have come. He wound up having, entering into the month of July, just six of them. So he's got 11 ever since the beginning of the month of July. Ozzy Albies, he's hitting right around 255. He's got 22 home runs. You've now got back in the fold for this team, Travis Hayer. No, he's been sort of in and out of the fold, but just having him back is big. Adam Duvall, 27 home runs. Danzy Swanson, sitting right around 267, 24 home runs for him. And for the Atlanta Braves, the bullpen has looked much better recently. They do get A.J. Minter off the injured list. 
Got a lot of guys like Chris Martin, Tyler Mazek, along Luke Jackson. They got used yesterday, but they got used for fewer than 15 pitches. Edgar Santana has been able to give you some good innings as well. And for the Yankees, Roldis Chapman is back off the injured list, but he has been shaky to say the least. Zach Britton has been as well. You've been able to have Lucas Lukey actually give you some good innings. Chad Green is reliable as long as he's not pitching in the ninth inning. And then you take a look at this Yankees lineup, and you have been able to get back Anthony Rizzo. That is very big. He's got right around a 350 on base. He's able to do a good job of being able to go yard. You've got in the middle of the fold Aaron Judge along with Joey Gallo. Both of these guys have right around 8.370 on base. Both of these guys, 27-plus home runs. And Luke Voigt now hitting at 265 is very solid. He wound up leading the league in home runs last year. That's certainly not going to be the case this year. But just seeing him back and looking healthy, that is good. Giancarlo Santin along TJ LeMayu. Both in between a 264 and 274. And Tyler Wade upping his batting average to 275. Certainly beneficial for the team as well. Like I said, with the Yankees, I've got them as a play as long as the price is at plus 127 or greater. And with the total, I set it at 8.8. So if we are using the DraftKings line, I'm most likely going to be gravitating to some sort of a Yankees play and the under, but with this line only being available at DraftKings, check back in the morning my Twitter feed at Jaren's one along with that total being at minus 120 on the juicy under of 9 and the over being even. So we've got a lot to sort out there once lines become a little bit more readily available. And we're going to wrap things up with 9.13, 9.14 on the bang board. The Texas Rangers hit the road face off against the Boston Red Sox. Nathan Eovaldi is going to be going for the Sox. Kobe Allard is going to be on the bump for the Rangers. Rangers are the biggest underdog on the betting board. You're going to be getting them anywhere between a plus 270 and a a plus 282. Meanwhile, if you're looking to lay it with the Red Sox, you're going to be getting them anywhere between a minus 313 and as high as a 350. 9.5 to 10 is your total. On the 9.5, over is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 125. Under is anywhere between minus 105 and plus 105. On the 10, under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The over is anywhere between even a minus 105. I did wind up saying this all at 10.7, so certainly going to be taking a look at it over in this spot because with Kobe Aller, he has been a little bit better recently for the Texas Rangers as he has given up now three runs or fewer in each out of his last three starts, but he is still just giving up the long ball in general. This is a man that has now given up by a home run in each out of his last seven starts, and in some cases, multiples of them, including a start against the Oakland A's, in which he gave up four. Then again, you take a look at Nathan Eovaldi, and he has seemed to have a little bit of a tough time of it recently giving up at least five runs in two out of his last three starts. The strikeout numbers have actually increased a little bit for him. Now north of nine strikeouts per nine innings for the season but what else is piling up? The home run numbers as he has out given up six home runs over his last four starts. Meanwhile, if you take a look at what he was doing at the beginning of the year, he gave up five home runs in his first 20 starts of the campaign. He's also much better at Fenway. This is a man with a 3.24 ERA at Fenway, 6-3 record across 14 starts in Boston, giving up three home runs at 86 innings. On the road, he's given up eight bombs over the course of 52 innings. And opponents are hanging right around at 239 off of him at Fenway. Meanwhile, more like a 282 on the road, and he's got a 502 road ERA. But then you take a look at the Boston Red Sox lineup, and it certainly has been very formidable. You've got a guy in Rafael Devers in the top three with regards to RBI 29 home runs. He's hitting at 280. You've had a lot out of Xander Bogarts. North of 20 bombs, he's hitting at 300. J.D. Martinez has been able to go deep 23 times. He's hitting at 290. Alex Verdugo sitting right around 8275. And got quite a few guys hitting at approximately a 254. Christian Vasquez, Hunter Renfro, 
Kike Hernandez. You've been able to get a dead, but it's something out of Kyle Schwarber as well. He's hitting a 260 overall for the year. Has yet to hit home run for the Red Sox, but you know that that's coming in for the Rangers. You've got one masher on this team. Adolis Garcia, 27 home runs now. I will say he wound up having pretty much 16 home runs in his first two plus months out of the year. So he slowed down a little bit there, but he's starting to refine his groove as he, along with, you're able to throw in there Yoni Hernandez, Nate Lowe, and Isaiah Kinnear Falefa, only between a 247 and a 263. Then you got a lot of guys that they need to pick it up with regards to the batting averages. You've got Nick Solak, Andy Ibanez, Jose Trevino, Joel Pozo, all guys sitting between a 222 and a 235. Brock Holt is hitting right around the middle line of 200. DJ Peters is hitting a buck 70. And you got at a buck 50 a Jason Martin. But with that said, the Texas Rangers have looked a little bit better on the bullpen recently. Demarcus Evans, Jarrell Cotton, these guys have not necessarily been too great. But Drew Anderson in long relief hasn't necessarily been too bad. I know that they've used them for a couple of spot starts as well. Dennis Santana has his ups and downs. But Brett Martin, Spencer Pan, these guys have been solid. And then you take a look at the Boston Red Sox. Bullpen seems to be regressing a little bit. Over the last 30 days, bottom 10 with regards to bullpen ERA. Martin Perez has been used out of the bullpen along with Garrett Richards. Perez has not been great. Richards has actually been relatively okay. Ansel Robles has his ups and downs. Eda Kazusato Mora is able to give you a tad bit of something. And Garrett Woodlock, he has seen a little bit of regression recently, but still a buck 72 ERA for the season despite having a 470 this month. So I did take a look at this spot. I thought that the Red Sox should be a sizable favorite, but anything above right around a 260, I was willing to take a shot on the Texas Rangers and we got north of a plus 280. So I'm willing to take that and I'm also going to be pairing that with an over as well. And that will wrap things up for the Baseball Betting Podcast for this Monday. A big thanks to John Jansen of Fox Sports Philadelphia The Gambler for joining me in the last segment. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson, you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, one of two ways we all fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at yours41. Keep in mind, letters ZM. Amy does not matter, so as per usual, send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to throw into the comment section of that five-star review whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Going to be coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season, which means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. <laughs>